Well, amen. Take your copy of God's Word and open it, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. One more time, uh, going to that particular passage of Scripture. And guys, in the sound, if you get my television on so I know what they're looking at, I'd appreciate it. It's gone blank back there. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, perhaps you saw the news report this uh, past Tuesday. It's a very timely report that came on of a woman who was visiting the Bronx Zoo and she decided to climb into the lion exhibit. Here's an actual picture from that video. She actually climbs over and gets into the lion exhibit at the Bronx Zoo. And she begins to dance about and taunt the male lion. Now, there was a moat between her and the lion 
But what in the world is that going to do for a cat that size? There's a moat there, and this lady is there dancing and taunting this lion. As I was watching the video, I couldn't help but think, what is she thinking? Who in their right mind would climb over and get in with a lion and begin to taunt that thing and dance in front of it and try to mess with it? When it comes to lions, you do not take chances. Those things can kill you. Those cats are nothing to mess with. But you know, there is a lion on the loose in our world today. And he's far more dangerous than the lions that you might see at the zoo. And I'm talking about our adversary, our enemy, the devil himself. And when it comes to this whole idea of the devil and spiritual warfare and demons, people seem to go from one extreme to the other. Some totally dismiss the whole idea of a devil and spiritual warfare, the unseen conflict that we're engaged in. And they think it's kind of like a a bunch of make-believe, something Disney might come up with. And the only devil that they're familiar with is the one they might see at Halloween time when someone dresses up in a red suit and has horns and a pointy tail and carries a pitchfork. Or maybe they like to eat uh, deviled uh, meat on their sandwiches. That's the only devil that they're familiar with. And so they go to that extreme. But then there are those who might go to the opposite extreme. And that is they are overly enamored with this whole idea of the enemy and the devil and demons and spiritual warfare. And they see a demon behind every bush. And every problem in their life is blamed upon a demon or the devil. They say, well, I'm struggling with the demon of obesity or the demon of debt or the demon of whatever is wrong in their life and I've got to cast out this demon and I've got to deal with this demon and this devil and all that's going on. And everything in their life comes down to that and all the blame lies at the feet of the devil. And so what we need is not the extreme of make-believe or the extreme of over-enamored with these things. We need a biblical balance. We need to know what the Bible says when it comes to the whole idea of the enemy and the devil and demons and spiritual warfare. And Peter talks about that uh, today in our passage. And some of you thought you'd never see today. Uh, you, you thought you'd never live to see the end of our study of First Peter. And yet here we are in the final message. You made it. You, you, you reached the finish line. And so I want to look together today at First Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 8 through 14, where the Bible says, Be sober... Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Savanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, there are two main truths that I want to impress upon your heart in our final time here in the book of First Peter. And the first truth, the first lesson is just this. We have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. 
The devil is not make-believe. He's not a little fella that's red with a pitchfork and some horns. He's a beautiful creature, a beautiful creation of God, an angelic being, and he was created angelic and given a wonderful position within the throne room of God, but he decided to rebel against God. And he and those angels that decided to rebel against God, who we now refer to as demons, are the enemies of God, and they're also our enemy, and they seek to rob God of his honor and his glory and his rightful worship. Now, we see in the book of Genesis, he comes along as the serpent. And then we get here in the book of uh, 1 Peter, and we find that he is referred to as the lion. Now, you know in the verse right before we read today, we started at verse 8. In verse 7, which we've studied, uh, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And as one writer noted, one of the reasons that we have cares in this world is because we have an enemy. As the serpent, Satan is the deceiver. And as the lion, he is the one who devours. And so Satan is the deceiver, he's the devourer, and while we might need a whole sermon or even a whole series of messages to adequately summarize what the Bible says about Satan, about Lucifer, about the devil, all talking about the same being, suffice it to say today for our study that the enemy is real. He is a real enemy. And the Lord tells us what to do here in these verses. And I can summarize verse 8 by simply giving you this phrase, be alert and be aware. Be alert and be aware. Let's talk about it. First of all, would you notice we need to be alert. Notice verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. To be sober means to be um, having self-control, to think right. To be vigilant means to be alert, to be awake, to be watchful, unlike many here this morning. To be vigilant, to be alert, to be awake, to be recognizing what's going on. If there were a lion loose today in Anson County, let's say that there was a truck hauling a lion and that somehow the lion escaped within Anson County. And the report went out that there is a lion, full grown. And by the way, he's mean. There's a mean lion on the loose in Anson County today. I would imagine that after the service today, you might approach your car a little differently. In fact, some of you might approach it much quicker than you would. And you'd be looking around saying, where is that lion? You would go out and get your little dogs and your pets and your animals, bring them inside. You might not even go outside until you hear the report. The lion has been found. The lion has been captured. But I know a lot of you, you'd get your guns and say, we're going lion hunting. But anyway... uh, We're in Anson County. But if there was a lion on the loose today, we would be alert. We would be aware. We would be sober. We would be looking and watchful. But can I tell you the truth of the matter is, there is a lion on the loose today. And we better watch out for him. Because he's dangerous. We need to be alert. But then we need to be aware of what he's up to. He is our enemy. And this verse says that he's looking... For someone to devour. In the original language, it simply and literally means to gobble up, to swallow down. He's not playing. He wants to destroy. He wants to harm. And Peter knew all about this, didn't he? Now think about it. God the Holy Spirit used Peter to write this portion of God's Word. 
And if you want to, put your finger there in 1 Peter and turn back to the Gospel of Luke. And I want to show you that Peter knew exactly what he's talking about when he talks about this lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. If you'll find Luke chapter 22, and we'll just read verses 31 through 34. And you have the account of the Lord is warning Peter. Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 31. Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Luke 22, 32, Jesus says to Peter, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus says these words in Luke twenty-two thirty-four. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, listen, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times, or you deny three times that you know me. Now, if you remember the story, Peter's warned. Peter very boldly says, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I'll, I'll go to prison with you and I'll go to death with you. And you know the story where Peter denies the Lord just as the Lord predicted. And when you think about Peter's story, and by the way, Peter was restored by the Lord. Three times the Lord comes along and he asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's fully restored. And God uses him in a wonderful way and even uses this. But what I'm trying to say is this. When Peter writes, listen, be alert, be sober, be vigilant, because there's a lion out to get you, he knows exactly what he's talking about. Because he had experienced this in his own life. He had this faith in his own commitment, but he failed miserably. And the reason he did is because we cannot handle the devil on our own. When it comes to dealing with our enemy, first of all, don't reason with him. Don't try to reason with him. That doesn't work. If you don't believe that, go back and read how that worked out for Eve. When the serpent comes along and says, you know, uh, look at that. Can't you eat that fruit? And God's not, God's holding out on you. And, and He knows when you eat that. And she reasons with Him and she fails. And Adam takes that apple and plunges us into our sorry state that we are today. So we can't reason with Him. And we dare not underestimate Him and think, well, you know, I'm more powerful. No, no, we're not. And furthermore, we dare not ignore him, just as you wouldn't ignore a lion that's on the loose. We dare not ignore this lion that is looking to devour us. So what do we do? Well, the Scripture tells us here. He says right after, be sober and be vigilant, so be alert, be awake, look, at, realize it. This, this enemy's out there, the roaring lion. Look at what it says in verse 9. He tells us what to do. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, notice what it says there. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Not resist him in your own strength. Not say, well, you know, I'm going to... No, 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 no. He's stronger. He's smarter. He says, resist him, but not in your strength, but in the faith. So what does that mean? Well, again, we could do a whole series of messages. But let me summarize it the way one author put it. In summary, what are the keys to success in spiritual warfare? First of all, we rely on God's power and not our own. 
We rely on God's power and not our own. The Bible says elsewhere, over the book of Ephesians, we're to put on the whole armor of God. And the Bible teaches that it's to, we're to draw on the power of Scripture. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And it tells us that we're to pray. We're to pray in perseverance and holiness. We're to depend totally upon the Lord because on our own, we can't make it. When Jesus came to Peter, what did He say? Listen, Peter, Satan desires to have you. He wants to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And that's what made the difference. Now, Peter still failed because he trusted himself rather than the Lord. And we'll do the same thing if we trust in ourselves. We'll fail. So we've got to rely upon God's power. And then it says we're to resist Him. We're to stand firm in the faith as we submit to God. We give ourselves to God. We resist the devil's work. James chapter 4, verse 7. We've got to remember it's the Lord who is our protector. Psalm 62, 2. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. And so when it comes to spiritual warfare, we resist Him in the faith. We trust in God and His power. We look to Him. And we use the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. When you go back and you look at the temptation of Jesus, when Satan is so bold, he came and tempted Jesus. He used the same line of reasoning he used with Eve. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Same thing with Jesus. Lust of the flesh, uh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And every time that he tempted Jesus, Jesus answered him how? It is written. It is written. He went to the Word of God. And so we've got to resist them in the faith. We've got to build ourselves up in our most holy faith to understand who we are in Christ, to understand the power of God, to understand the schemes of the enemy who is the deceiver and the one who's out to devour us. And so we need to look at this whole idea of resisting, but there are two words to summarize verse 9. There are the words resist and remember. Resist and remember. So we stand against in the faith, in the power of God. We resist His working, but then we remember. Look at verse 9 again. Resist Him steadfast to the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What is it we remember? We remember this. We are not alone. We're not alone. You are not alone in this battle. One of the things the enemy would love to do is to get you convinced that you are alone in this battle. That this temptation you're facing, these things you're dealing with, you're the only one that's dealing with them. I talked very bluntly with our youth this morning in our youth class. We looked at a passage in Thessalonians about purity and uh, sanctification and withstanding sexual immorality and all those sorts of things. I was very, very straightforward with them. The truth of the matter is all of us deal with these temptations. All of us deal with these things. We are not alone. Our brethren are also dealing with this. And so we have a real enemy. And so what do we do? We resist him in the faith. We resist him in the power of God. We use the word of God and remember that we are not alone. Our brothers and sisters are also battling. And furthermore, we can pray one for another, can we not? And encourage one another in the battle. And so I want you to know today we have a real enemy. But I'm not done. The second truth I want to give you today is this. We have a faithful God. We have a faithful God. Look at the next two verses. He talks about the enemy in verses 8 and 9. And then he talks about our God in verses 10 and 11. 
But may the God of all grace. Let me just stop for a moment. Just think about that phrase. The God of all grace. You need grace today? You need God's help? He's the God of all grace. If you'd like to underline your Bible, there's a phrase to underline. The God of all grace. Who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, beloved, there's so much there. We're going to finish the series today. I want to show you some things in this verse, verses 10 and 11. Notice, first of all, when it comes to our faithful God, that our suffering will not last forever. Our suffering will not last forever. I love that phrase, after you've suffered a while. Did you see it there? After you've suffered a while. Not forever. Just a while. You say, well, it feels like forever, but it's not. Remember chapter 1, verse 6? Of 1 Peter, we said it a long time ago. 1 Peter 1, 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now for a little while. After you've suffered a while. All the suffering, all the pain, all the trials, all the problems, all the temptations, all the spiritual warfare, they're just temporary. They're just for a little while. And that ought to encourage you. I think about the old song, There's Coming a Day. When no heartache shall come, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. Remember how it goes? There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. And then the chorus comes resounding through. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. We have a faithful God and the suffering we deal with, the problems, the pain, the sorrow, it's only for a little while. Only for a little while. Aren't you glad about that? And there's a purpose in it. It's not just to fill time. There's a purpose behind it. Which is what we see here. When you look back at verse 10, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a little while, or suffered a while, notice the next part, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. In other words, God will complete his work in us. There is a purpose behind it. He's working to perfect us, to establish us, to strengthen us, and to settle us. In other words, he's working to make us like Jesus. And you know, some lessons are only learned through suffering and pain. Just understand it was said that Sir Edward Elgar once listened to a young girl who was singing one of his solos from one of his own works. And as she sang, she had an exceptional voice. It had exceptional purity and clarity and range and almost a perfect technique that made light of the difficulty of singing such a difficult piece of music. And when this wonderful singer had finished singing, the author of the piece, Sir Edward, said softly these words, She will be really great when someone happens to break her heart. She'll be really great 
when someone happens to break her heart. You know, beloved, those broken heart lessons, they're not easy. They're difficult. We don't like them. But they're needful. And some lessons are only learned through suffering and pain and difficulty. We've got to remember, though, that the suffering we're enduring, the temptation, the spiritual warfare, all of this, it's only for a little while. It's going to end. And God is working in it. There's a purpose behind it. He's making us like Jesus. He's maturing us and establishing us. And He's helping us. And when you consider what God is doing in the midst of all of that, it brings us to the next part, and that is this, beloved. He deserves all the glory forever. He deserves all the glory forever. Look at verse 11. We've been told about our enemy. We've been told about God and His faithfulness and His work. And then He says in verse 11, to Him, that is God, Christ Jesus, to Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, we started out by talking about the enemy and we end by talking about our God. And can I just remind you, never talk about the enemy without talking about God. Because that's what makes the difference. That's who makes the difference. And whatever it is you're dealing with, always bring God into the equation. That's what living by faith is all about. You say, well, everything's against me, but God. Always bring Him in. And you have this whole idea. He warns us about the enemy. He reminds us about God. And it reminded me of something I read recently from Tony Evans. And Tony Evans said this, the cosmic battle... You know what it's all about? This whole spiritual warfare, this whole unseen warfare between the enemy, the devil, and God. It's all, it's a battle for glory. That's what it's all about. Who's going to get the glory in the universe? Who's going to be worshipped? Who'll have the notoriety? Who's going to get to call the shots? It's all about glory. And Tony Evans said that Satan has essentially said to God, you cannot have all the glory in creation. I want some of the glory for myself. But God comes back and says to him in Isaiah 48:11, "My glory I will not give to another. I'm the only one worthy of the glory." And you know that answer didn't set well with Satan, and so he set out to steal what was not rightfully his, and so the battle is all about glory. And he said, "Understanding that is half the fight." And that's why Paul told us, and I try to remind you often. And it's the very first thing in our mission statement. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do what? Do all to the glory of God. It's all about the glory. Glory is what the battle's all about. And so as you're dealing with spiritual warfare, as you're dealing with these things, realize it's all about the glory. Who's going to get the glory? Is God going to get the glory or the enemy get the glory? Beloved, we're engaged in a cosmic conflict. And we're hourly deciding who will get the glory from our lives. And the battle is hard and it's dangerous and it's real. And at times, I want you to know he's deceptive. Just in the last month or so, I had a conversation with someone. And I'm going to tell you, I was there. And and even in the midst of having a conversation... I was literally saying, is this a spiritual battle I'm engaged in? Is this the enemy speaking to me and talking with this person? And I'm there praying even as the person is speaking because the enemy is sly and deceitful and deceptive. And he'll come in. And the Bible says we're to resist him. 
But I've got to remind you some glorious news in closing today, and that is this. We are battling a defeated foe. He's already lost. We see the picture of the Gospel in the book of Genesis where it talks about that the Satan is going to bruise the hill, but it says that the air is going to crush his head. The Messiah crushes head. We see that played out on the cross where he's dying there. He's shedding his precious blood and it seems that all is lost. And perhaps Satan was laughing in the corner. But then the third day came and he arose again. And we are battling a defeated foe. And his days are numbered. If you want to know what's going to happen, you can go on and read the book of Revelation. He's going to be cast to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And we'll never have to deal with him again. And we'll be in glory forever with the Lord. See, our conflict, our trouble today, it is temporary. And one of the greatest encouragements I can give to you, I believe, when you're battling and you're dealing with the sorrow of life, whether it's temptations or trials or pain, whether it's because of the enemy or the fact you live in a fallen world or your own poor choices or whatever, the greatest encouragement I hope I can give you is that this is not all there is. This is temporary and Jesus is coming again. And He's going to set all things right. So remember that tonight when you're watching the evening news. It seems the world's going to hell in every regard. And it is in so many ways. Remember, this isn't all there is. And when people seem to get away with doing wrong and there's no justice, remember there's coming a day where there's going to be one who's going to sit upon the throne of David and rule with a rod of iron and will set all things right. And that's why we say to Him, be the glory and the dominion and the power and the praise forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen! So what are you going to do for all eternity? We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to worship Him. We're going to say, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive the glory. It's all Yours. All the honor. All the praise. It's Yours. Now, the enemy wants to steal it from the Lord. And by the way, the enemy can't have you, child of God, but he'd sure like to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy your kids, destroy your marriage, destroy your testimony, destroy your ministry, destroy this church, destroy God's work. But we must not allow that. We must resist Him in the faith and the power of God, trusting in Him, using the sword of the Spirit, leaning upon the Holy Spirit, and resist Him in this battle that we're raging. I want to close this sermon, and I want to close this study with the words that one martyr is supposed to have said to another martyr. And remember, a martyr is someone who literally is being put to death because of their faith. Because they love Jesus. Because they worship Jesus. Because they're like us. But they're literally put to death. And you can read throughout history. And by the way, we still have them. They're still martyrs today. There are people who lose their life today because of their faith in Christ. Today. We need to pray for them. But it is reported that one martyr said to another these words. And I quote, Half an hour in glory will make us forget all of our pain. Half an hour in glory will make us forget all of our pain. Think of it, beloved. It will be worth it all.
when we see Jesus. Just one glimpse of His dear face. All sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race and fight the war and battle the enemy till Jesus comes. Father, You alone are worthy of all the glory and praise. You do not share Your glory with another. You are the only one who deserves worship and honor and glory and praise. And so, Lord, I know today that we serve a victorious, glorious God. But we have an enemy, Father, who would love nothing more than to thwart and destroy and to rob You of Your glory in this place. Help us to resist Him steadfast in the faith. Clothed in the spiritual armor You provided, using the sword of the Spirit and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, raise up a standard against Him and frustrate His purposes here. And Lord, may it be true not only as, us, as a church body, but individually in our personal Christian lives, in our families. The enemy would love nothing more than to get a foothold and to deceive and to devour. Help us to take serious the spiritual conflict we're involved in. We might rest in You, depend upon You, and battle in Your strength according to Your Word. Lord, we give You glory today. Thank You that our enemy is defeated. Thank You that our hope is sure and our home is heaven. And I pray if somebody's here and they've never trusted Jesus Christ, May this be the moment where your Spirit touches their heart and they turn from their sin and they place their faith in Christ alone. We love you today, Lord. We give you praise and ask that you'll bless and help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thought we'd sing in closing as we think about glory and think about being with the Lord, 605, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. If you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to Christ today, and you can come while we're singing. But let's stand together. If you have need prayer, you may come. If you want to pray on your own, you may come. But 605, let's stand together and sing in the sweet by and by. Mm-hmm.